Hello, everybody. It's your boy, Kyle Conkeel. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I hope you guys had a great Christmas, or like I said before, any holiday that you celebrate during this holiday season, Yule, Solstice, Kwanzaa, Krampus, whatever it is you may celebrate, I hope you had a good one with people that you love. Anyways... We're in the last few days of this year, and I just wanted to come on here before the show and say thank you to everybody who's bought a cameo, a t-shirt, pics, autograph picture from the website. You guys have really made my year, so thank you very much. Your shirts are on the way. You should have already gotten that notification that the shirts have been shipped out. So... Last t-shirts of the year are probably not going to show up before the year's done. Anyways, I won't blab your ear off too much. On the show today, I have incredible bass player, band dude extraordinaire, Mr. Killian Duarte, who's been one of my favorite bass boys for a while now. And, uh... You know, we've gotten the opportunity to hang out a few times in person, but we've also done a few podcasts together. So, with that being said, I hope you enjoy my conversation with the dope Killian Duarte. Killian Duarte, how are you, buddy? Dude, I'm, I've been doing pretty well. Um, you know, it's it's nice to see you again, man. Um, I wish we could hang out more if it wasn't for this horrible thing. But um, no, things have been okay. You know what I mean? Like, I think as all musicians, we're all juggernauts in this COVID time. And, um, you know, uh, but things have been good. You know, I, I, I have my... I have my bunny, I got my girl, I got my bases, I got my little apartment, so. I feel like me and you have hung out more via podcast than in real life at this point. <laughs> Dude, probably. <laughs> Jesus. Um, sorry, I just getting a sip of water, my throat's dry. Um, oh, no so, I had John on here a couple of weeks ago. You're shredding companion from abiotic my baby boy yeah (laughs) and uh, we talked about the release of the new abiotic record which you know he was nice enough to send me and i will say that that shit is dope so i will say again anybody who likes death metal tech death if that is your shit then you will definitely love the new abiotic the only thing i haven't been able to pronounce is the actual name of the record which drops february 12th so what is the name of the record? Uh, Ikigai. See, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to, I wouldn't have been able to pronounce that. For some reason, I was thinking of like because of the uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender shirt that you guys are going to yeah. be dropping soon. For some reason, in my head, the name of your album was Agni Kai. Oh, okay, I get the reference. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> um, it's really cool. Um, kind of in the sense that. Um, John, and so I'm being, I'm the bass player in the band, and uh, um, I have written a lot of the material for my, I mean, I wrote all the material for my parts and everything, but, um, you know, I I came into a band um, that had gone through a lot of strife, like really went through the ringer. Yeah. Um, And what happens was that, like, I wanted to respect their vision and luckily because of tony being added to the band we had this really beautiful like art project where it ended up being a concept album of like um 
like different experiences of life. And the thing that was cool about it was that essentially like, you know, every song is a different story. Yeah. So I, as a prog head, they all make fun of me. Cause like I grew up on like certain levels of death metal. Like I love Necrophagus. I love Arsis. I love that stuff. I am a true metal head, but like I wasn't a death metal head. Yeah. Um, and the thing that was awesome about it was that like we made a concept album and Travis, our singer, who is one of the, my best friends in the world. I love him to death. Take a bullet for that kid. Um, wrote amazing lyrics and created a story for the concept of Ikigai, which is the meaning of your life, which means like what we all derive meaning. We, we, we all derive meaning for our lives. Yeah. And so he gave this like multi saga story and it, it was really great to play bass to something that was like a, like a multi-generational narrative story. It was really great. Would you say that Ikigai is abiotics 2112? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really put you on the spot there. <laughs> Getty Lee is just like, He's like waking up from like being Canadian awesome and having a wonderful retirement. He's just like, like don't you dare, son. <laughs> By the way, my mom took me to my first Rush concert. My mom is a, um, my mom was the prog head in my family. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. No, she was a, a Fly By Night fan. Um, oh, I, she love took that. Me... I love that record. I'm not going to lie. Oh, my mom is the prog head. Yeah. My dad is the fusion head. That's uh, why they were they married and had me, the idiot. <laughs> but no, no, my mom is a big Rush fan from the 70s. Oh, damn. Yeah, so in Venezuela, she was listening to Fly By Night and doing this. Uh, but to say that I cannot in any way, that would be so arrogant to say it's our, it's our 2112. Um, <laughs> but I would say for being in the band, knowing their catalog, this is definitely a different chapter. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was a really great we- record. I love the way it was mixed. I love how everything sounds. I love, um, uh, Trevor Sternad has, a has, a has, a a feature in, uh, the new single. Um, and it's really, it's a, it's a, it's a really dope record. And I've been a big, a big, most of my fans of bad wolves don't realize that like, I was a death metal kid before I started joining radio rock bands, you know, and, uh, you know, I played in death metal bands and I, after in this moment, I was kind of in a death metal band. It was really weird. So it was called world under blood and it was Darren Miller from CKY, the original singer, guitar player for CKY. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Tim Young from morbid angel vital remains. Um, or I guess it would be I am morbid. I know he played for Morbid Angel, but whatever. And then that's uh, sick. Though. That's sick though. <laughs> and then uh, Luke Yeager from Sleep Terror. And it was it was basically, if you can picture this, like death metal CKY. And that sounds good. Well, I'll, I'll so one thing I'll remember when when I was a growing up, my older cousin was a drummer, and we used to watch CKY videos. Uh, remember when the VHS tapes used to oh, come yeah, out for yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm old enough. Like all the Gen Z years are gonna be like, what are these two millennials talking about? Whatever. Um I had all those VHSs, man. They had so they had CKY, they had CKY two K, they had Dude. and then they had CKY three, but they also had a movie called Haggard. Yeah, yeah, but but I had the VHSs, my older cousin was the one that was like, you know, he's two years older than me. So we were in high school together. He'd be like, Yo, we're going to watch the CKY video. Uh, but I'll never forget, it was a Bam Margera kickflip, and they had Demo Borgir oh, yeah, yeah. on it. And I was just like, oh, my God, CKY, the whole scene is sick. But so, like, that's so cool that you had to deal, like, or even made a death metal record with anyone involved with that because, like, I was privy to why CKY was sick as fuck. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, for people who don't know, CKY was the precursor for Jackass. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> and, and if and you don't he, remember Jackass, you're probably not old enough to listen to this podcast. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, 
My ukulele is flopping around my desk right now. I'm going to move it real quick. Hang on. Oh, don't worry. Your bassy ASMR beautiful voice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So not only do you play bass for Abiotic, you also play bass for Scale to Summit. Yes. And you play bass for Ladder Math. Is that correct? Thank you so much for bringing the ladder mouth up. Yeah, we we are very happy. We just finished the record. You're a busy um, fucking guy, man. Just like one record after another. Um, yeah, man. So what it was for me is that honestly, like, 2020 was a real kick in the nuts for all of us as artists. And for me, I had a whole plan for 2020. Like, like me and Chris were supposed to release the record for for skill summit in the spring we had a whole touring schedule i i was planning to fly out the day that covid became a national new thing Mm -hmm. to finish the ladder math record that week i'd booked my flight jesus i just luckily had the JetBlue credits to cancel that flight and hold it um so so it's not so much that I believe that I'm like the ultimate bootstrap or whatever. It's just more that like it's COVID just made us all push to the wall. Um, but yeah, no dude, like I'm so content and so happy with the ladder math record. Like um, I know I describe it. It's one of the, my favorite records I've ever been a part of um, scale of summit. Again, me, Charlie, and Chris are best friends. We talk all the time. I hate I hate it that uh, Charlie and me were supposed to meet up when I was doing the ladder math record. He just had a family emergency that I can't talk about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and um, but we were gonna hang out. Like, you know, we're all family. Yeah. And so what it is that like I want to release as much music going into 2021 as I can. But like I've always viewed myself as a band member before a bass player. Like, I, I, I think that, like, of course, I have my Instagram and stuff like that, and I want to do those individual videos, and, like, I want people to think of me as a bass player. But I, my identity from when I was a little kid to now is I'm in a member of a band, and that's yeah. my happy place. And I think that you're the same way. Like, you feel, like, happy in a band, and you're yeah. creating an art project that then goes that direction. Yeah, for sure. It always feels nice to feel like a part of something and to feel like your not only your choices, but your opinion matters when you're working with a group of people. You're not just there to, you know, be there. And as much as I do enjoy being in a band and because of all the stuff, you know, that COVID has brought, which is no touring and (laughs) a lot of staying at home, especially, you know, I'm in Los Angeles. Um, I think at the time of this recording, which is uh, what is it, twenty fourth of November, this 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 will come out. This will be my last podcast of the year. So this will come out in like a month. <laughs> no, it's all good. So Merry uh, Christmas, everyone. <laughs> it's either the twenty third or the twenty eighth. I don't, I don't, I don't really remember. So Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's, Happy, Happy New Year's. New Year, yeah. um, but I've been, I've been, I was like so focused for the first like four or five months of the lockdown between, you know, like March and I want to say July or yeah, July um, of writing, you know, new Bad Wolf stuff and trying to contribute as much uh, as possible because, you know, the world allotted me the time (laughs) to do so. So I wrote probably 30 ideas for the new for the the new battles and i'm not saying like i wrote like fucking 30 hits trust me (laughs) i'd be lucky if one of them was a hit but i i kind of like fell into this thing where i'm like you know what i'm tired of fucking writing metal low tuned fucking guitars and bass and and then i started doing and i'm sure my listeners are probably tired of hearing about this but i don't give a shit it's my show i'll talk about whatever the fuck i want to talk about um but i've been i've been writing a lot of synth influence stuff like i just nice. got on the uh on the black friday sale the arturis um v collections it's like v collection number seven or something and it's like 13 synthesizers that were actually sampled 
from the synthesizer itself that wasn't digitally re- recreated. So like the real deal, the the motherboard, the mothership. Yeah. And like I said, they're samples, but it's of the actual instruments themselves, not just a digital recreation of that of that of that instrument. So I was like, all right, at the time when I when I I had a few buddies lead me in the direction of uh the Arturus stuff. I think that's how you say it. Arturus, Arturus, I don't Arch Arturus? Whatever. Um <clears throat> At the time, it was like 500 bucks, and I'm just like, you know what? For something little and small I'm doing on the side, I can't really justify a $500 fucking purchase for synth sounds. And then just randomly last week, I was looking, and I'm like, oh, fuck. They got a Black Friday deal. It's half off. So it's like <laughs> 250 bucks makes You're a lot of That guy behind so, the tree, that, yeah. that yellow coat guy, be like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, hmm, two, two hundred fifty, and then they let me do a payment plan for the two hundred and fifty. So I was like, I'm only paying sixty bucks a month for the next four bu- for the next four months. You're really that guy, aren't you? Like, <laughs> so it's like I didn't drop two fifty at the same time. It was just sixty bucks for the next four months, and I'm like, this is perfect. Uh, dude, the synth world <laughs> is a whole um, Asgardian journey uh, of its own, and. Um, so what's awesome is my lead guitarist player in, in Laddermouth is the fiance of Sarah Longfield. Oh yeah, so yeah. Sarah, Sarah's been my friend since we toured. I've actually technically known Sarah a little longer than Derek, but like it, that we 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 basically became friends exactly at the same time. And what it, what was really cool about it was just like we like dealt with the same tribulations and the tour things. But she became a very big synth head. So I have a lot of respect for people who go into this world because yeah. it is, it is a, a monolith of bootstrapping and learning curves. And also the reward is so gratifying because you're literally synthesizing sound at the core level. So I, well, I, I think it's awesome. Well, the one thing that I was I was talking to Trey Xavier about when I did my podcast with him was that depending on the genre of, you know, the subgenre of rock or metal that you're in, like, for the most part, the bass instrument isn't really the driving force of the music itself. But in electronic music, like, ED, I know, right? <laughs> Sad. Um, uh, we're, you know, we're the unsung heroes of the rhythm section in rock and metal. and I mean, I mean that for guys like you and you know Jacob Umansky, even though his instrument. But, but, in but band, no, in general, metal. Yeah, in general. Like we, we are the we're the side check. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we are the side check. But in electronic music like EDM, synth wave, synth pop, even hip hop, we know, are. Agamemnon. We are the driving. <laughs> yeah, we are the driving force of the hooks because if like you don't have a good drum beat and a bass line, like. No one's going to listen to your fucking song. It's going to suck. So the fun part of that and being a bass player is writing this material and approaching it from a drum and bass perspective first. So I've been like, okay, I'm going to write this bass line. And the, honestly, the drums are not, an, like, I don't want to say the drums aren't an important part in synth pop, but for the most part, it's the, you just have to make a good beat to go along with your bass line. It's not as like, you know, when you're looking at like, oh my God, that guy can do two, 290 on the, on the double bass. Like that's, people aren't really concerned about that. Oh no, of course. Um, <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing. Uh, so um, I'm, I do a lot of pop gigs like at home. And so my appreciation for like when I do wedding bands or trivia band stuff is actually, I've inversed, I'm the opposite of a boomer. I'm sorry. But like that's the ageist. But in the sense that like when I was younger, I had more of a disdain for pop music. Yeah. Now same. I'm more like as I'm I'm gonna be thirty three, I'm more like pop music is based as fuck. Yeah. Like I'm more like when you hear really well produced pop music, my ear is more that's sick. Yeah. Like that's awesome. Yeah. So I'm a hundred percent with you on that because I'm I'm like not like the old guy. You're like, well, the music I liked when I was a teenager. Now I'm more like, 
uh, I was talking with some bunch of my band members that go like, dude, I fucking love Billie Eilish. I love a bunch of these like pop younger kids. Like I really think that they have a, the beats are sick. I think the production's fucking sick. And I've always been one of those people that my bass playing is based on let's learn something new. Yeah. I'm always, I, but it's also the environment I was raised in. So yeah, dude, fuck yeah. Pop music and synth production, all about it. Everything about it is sick. And then, yeah, like, I'm sure there's shitty people that are involved with it. Just kind of like you learn that way. And I am so 100% with you where like, this is cool <laughs> to learn this stuff. It's fucking awesome. And I'm just trying to, like I said, I'm just coming from a perspective of being a bass player and wanting to do the stuff, you know, put writing these bass lines of like stuff that I've always wanted to do that they're like, ah, it's a little too busy for the song. You know what I mean? And, um, and, and I also do appreciate a lot of the newer artists, especially that have been doing a lot of the more, um, retro wave type stuff. Um, you know, like the weekend and, um, I love the weekend, by the yeah. way. He's so sick. Miley Cyrus, and then I was, I was, I was watching this thing on YouTube about Billie Eilish because her brother Phineas writes a lot of the songs and does a lot of the production. Like they did her. Um, They're amazing. I'm the, sorry, like, the like when, when, where do we go when we all fall asleep, or when we all fall asleep, where do we go? That album um, was like done in their living room, and. He was talented talking, kids, man. Talented yeah. fucking kids, man. And when they were talking so about uh, when the party's over, I think is when the song's called. Yeah, there's like over a hundred vocal tracks on that song. Yeah, man. I mean, Phineas and, and Billy are definitely a, a team. And I think she, the one thing that's really healthy, that's really cool about that, is that like, unlike past previous pop relationships, from what I've seen, again, I don't know anything about these people. Um, it seems like her and her brother have a really healthy writing relationship in there. Cause it, as far as I know, Billy started doing this when she was 14. Yeah. So her mom and her dad are really integral with that. And Phineas is the older brother. So like, there's not this toxic dynamic. It seems that like, there's still like really a family dynamic with that. And their kids are just really good at writing amazing stuff. That being said, they, they, like the, the parents were involved in the entertainment industry and they have money, but like, regardless, yeah. if there's talent where talent is. And like, it's really awesome to see just good raw writing. Like um, my favorite song from her is I'm in love with my future. And I go like, dude, I can't wait till someone makes that into a jazz standard. Yeah. Because it's, it's beautiful. It's like misty or how high the moon, like the chord progressions, everything are going to be, for that generation, that kind of standard. Well, a lot of, a lot of her vocal stuff, like I've been, you know, because I was in, I was really in love with that album when it came out, you know, a year or two ago. Um, the, when we all fall asleep, where do we go? And Mm -hmm. like people were like bad mouthing the hits, which is fine. You don't have to like it, but I'm like the best songs on that record are all the B sides. Like it reminds me of like fifties, like speak easy, like Donnie Maldoon, ladies and gentlemen, on the, on the piano, and yeah. uh, and it's very like I don't even know well, like what what to, what to like well, call it's, it. It's refreshing because none of it's lazy. Yeah, none of none of it's lazy. It's it's done very well, and I think that we need to embrace pop music. I'm very much one of those people. Um, I believe my chops as a bass player and everything is just, uh, I'm always looking backwards and forwards and looking both directions. Yeah. I, I will always acknowledge my influences, but I am, I don't want to be that bitter old person that just doesn't accept it. Like, so um, I was very, 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 very privileged. A friend of mine from Berkeley wanted me to do the direct, uh, lessons for Billy Sheehan for a Yamaha course. Mm-hmm. And the one student I've had that's very consistent is an 11 year old Japanese kid. And the heart and soul this 11 year old puts into his videos. I'm talking about like video production. He, I mean, I didn't start playing bass saws 12. Yeah. So this kid already sounds ridiculous. 
But this kid, this kid will send me videos of him covering Queen, yeah. covering all this stuff. But also, he'll send me like, oh, by the way, how's my three-finger technique? How's my slap technique? And I'm like, dude, you're crushing. <laughs> by the time you're 23, you're going to be you're going to be Zeus. Yeah. You, you, no, you're going to be Odin. You're, you, you, you're just going to be fucking Odin. You're just, I know those are two different timelines and two different ideologies. You're just going to be the God of all gods. So you're going to be like, like, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, and seeing this 12 year old kid just fucking crush it. And also being super respectful. Yeah. Was like, oh, Mr. Duarte, how was my three finger technique? And like being such a, like a mensch and um, yeah, dude, like I'm always, forward back man you gotta you gotta accept all directions of music yeah i remember i started taking um and i've been kind of slacking lately i'm not gonna lie but i started taking uh bass lessons from jacob umansky and he's great dude. yeah he, 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 he he's a phenomenal bass player and i think he's i'm not sure how old he is i think he's like 26 28 i forget how old he is i think he's, he's still... four years he's four years younger than me i think okay. i'm 32 i think he's still 27 yeah, I, I want to say he's 27. Yeah, so he's I'm like, like, and I'm 34. And, you know, I've been playing the bass guitar and guitar since since he was like three years old. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and been, you know, I've been working on a lot of stuff just because I've been wanting to broaden my horizons. I wanted to learn some more theory-based stuff. I kind of wanted to see... Because my, my biggest thing is when I'm writing certain bass lines they're mostly revolved around octave and fifth so just because you know it's the fucking it's a power chord on the bass you know do 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 um so it's mainly octave and fifth type stuff but i've never been able to understand like oh this is in the key of this this is in the key of this this is that's in the key of that i've never been able to be like oh cool you're playing an a minor here's everything i know in a minor you know I've never been able to do that or understand it and my worst my worst technique because I've I've played with a pick for so long is my is my 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 finger technique is and he'll sit and be like yo do it again you you know what he's like just remember it's a guy walking down the street you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't you can't you know can't keep doing with your index or your middle like you gotta you know you just got to walk oh, down the street. Uh, and mean, that's been the biggest pain in the ass because I've been I've agree. been doing it I've been doing it terribly for so long that my brain doesn't like compute how to do it correctly and that's kind of why we've been doing every other week instead of every week is just because I'm trying to wrap my brain around how to do certain things properly. And then, you know, last week he because he records all his lessons and then he he sends them to me the parts that I'm oh, supposed oh, to learn. Okay. Oh, that's so, kind of, that's sick. Okay. Um, so we're learning some, pro I'm learning proper slap technique now because I have a slap technique, but it's nothing like, you know, anybody who's watched any of my, my slapping videos, which there really aren't a lot of, it's shitty technique, you know? Um, so I've been wanting to really dive into like doing proper slap, double thump, you know, and just being able to come out of this and start playing a shows shows again looking at my instrument in a completely different manner than I did earlier this year and n being able to approach things with the knowledge that I've gained over you know these lessons and practice sessions and just try to be an overall better bass player because I, I really and, and I've said I, I think I've said this to you and I've probably said on the podcast before like I think people give me a little bit more credit than, <laughs> than where credits do. Now, don't get me wrong. When I'm playing in a band and I know the material and I kind of put my own little Kyle flavor on it, like that's where I excel. Now, yeah. if you were to want me to like, oh, just riff, I'd be like, I've got like one thing that I do to sound check and that's pretty much it. So that's where I excel is when I'm working with other people and playing with other people but by myself you know i can't really go into a situation where they're just like oh yeah don't worry just do some lines and you know g sharp major and i'd be like what 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 do, what do you want me to do 
we're, we're no we again <laughs> I, I i always say this is it like it's a life lesson so just more knowledge in life in any capacity is always a net gain yeah. so that's awesome and like dude like i remember um when i was in college i was able to take lessons with matthew garrison yeah um, for those who don't know who Matthew Garrison is, Matthew Garrison was the bass player for Herbie Hancock and like a lot of, uh, he was the last bass player for the Zawinul Syndicate. So he's Joe Zawinul's last bass player. He was the last bass player that Whitney Houston had live. But but Matthew was, um, uh, who was he? He was uh, Jack De Jeanette's godson. Yeah. So his father passed away um, was Jimmy Garrison, who was Coltrane's bass player. Yeah. So, and, and, but the thing is like, he would put me in situation and be like, killing it. You're good. All right, cool, dude. What's up? No giant steps. He'd make a glitch track. Like a real, like, no, cause the, the dude was New York, like New York as fuck. And like, he, he liked to push his students. He'd be like, all right, let's do giant steps with a glitch track in seven. I'm like, okay. But I just shoved my dick in the door and slammed it a couple <laughs> of times. But what I loved about that was the challenge. Yeah. I loved it because I love feeling ignorant and learning information. And I think that that's humility in that situation is the best thing. I think that when I was there, like oh, Jacob's I, I, definitely seen some fucking humility. I'm wondering if he's just like, <laughs> I'm giving this dude fucking bass lessons. Really? Like he's in this fucking band <laughs> doing what, you know, a lot of bass players want to do. And he doesn't fucking know where the G note is. <laughs> I mean, I mean, but that's, but I mean, again, like you, you fill the purpose in bad. What was perfectly. Yeah. I mean, dude, like there's not a thing you do in that band negatively. I mean, like, Fuck yeah, you fucking rock out. You play with Devin Townsend, you fucking kick ass, man. Like so, so, so puff up your little shirt a little bit, man. Like you kick ass. It's just when I talk about more just like the academia base. Yeah, I view it in different contexts. More like where I'm always, no matter how good I get, no matter how much people think I'm good or whatever, I'm always seeking that other level. And that's the thing for me. I go like. You know, I've had teachers just always kick my ass. But, like, I remember when I was doing that for, like, I'd have to play Giant Steps in 7. And he'd be, like, doing the glitch tracks, soloing that shit, teaching me his, like, four-finger technique. I'd be like, okay. I suck ass. And he'd be like, stop whining. Just do the thing. Follow me. You're okay. You're not a defunct human being. You're learning. Yeah. We all learn from other people. And it was fucking awesome. And I love sucking. That's my favorite thing about me for as a bass player. I love fucking up. Yeah. I love being bad at something because eventually it'll become a strength. For yeah. me as a player, the way I see it is like, and I think you have the same approach. You like, you eat shit. You, you, you struggle. Like you, you are bad at a thing. Mm -hmm. But the thing that what makes people great is that you're not scared of eating shit you're not scared of being bad at the thing and when you're in that mentality of like the bruce lee like you're bad at this yeah you're bad at it and you embrace that and then you go like but i will be good that well, is where the real growth comes well and that's that's what i really like about the the saying like the master has failed more times than the beginner has started or whatever absolutely <laughs> You know, <clears throat> so I mean, that's that or like, what's the difference between a master and a beginner? Like, you know, the master's failed more times than the beginner has started or whatever. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, I've definitely failed a whole lot. <laughs> so and it's just like when I made the switch from guitar to bass, you know, in my friend group, there was yeah a lot of controversy about it because they're just like, you know, bass players at the time, new metal was real big you know, in the early, <laughs> in the early two thousands, you know? Yeah. Fuck yeah. So they were just like, Oh, bass players are just shitty guitar players. So <clears throat> when I made the switch to playing bass, I was like, well, I kind of want to do, like, I want to make the full switch. Like I wasn't happy playing guitar and it wasn't like, 
You know, I wasn't just like, oh, I really fucking love playing guitar. Like when I first started playing guitar when I was, you know, 10, 11 years old. But then when I got my first bass guitar and like my first bass rig, I was just like, this is completely fucking alien to me. Like, because you don't set a bass amp the same way you would set a guitar amp. And at the time I was almost diametrically opposed in a lot of ways. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, I don't fucking know how to set this bass amp. And I wasn't using any distortion at the time. It was just me plugging into a Carvin Redline 500 and a 410 cab. Big movement. Like, honestly, like distortion for bass. Like, it wasn't until Dark Glass. Yeah. And it's not like, hi, Doug. Love you, both. Um, but it's not that I'm trying to suck Doug's, Douglas Castro's dick. It's not. It's just the fact that like, for us, we had to choose. Unless you were Billy Sheehan or John yeah. Ennis, you could buy amp. Yeah. No, dude, you played clean and hard. Yeah. Or you had an overdriven tone, but that was your amp. Yeah. Or you were Getty Lee, or you were Lemmy, where you could buy amp or John yeah. Ennis. Or but like you, most you know, of us peasants, guys, we couldn't yeah. buy amp our signal. <laughs> or you know, guys like um, guys like Jason McGuire or uh, Evil J, as he was known in the OTEP days, um, who was also another Berkeley guy, amazing bass player, like completely. He was the best musician in new metal i really think <laughs> but oh, he he was one of the first guys before dark glass got really big who had turned me on to the blend feature of distortion pedals and he was the one who was really like you got to like if you want to distort your tone and you want to grab onto the guitars a little bit more you got to use that blend feature man and he's like the more you blend it the more low end you're going to use so mm-hmm. a lot of the beginning stages of my career like you know before Dark Glass came out, obviously, you know, using Sans Amp and just fucking literally. That Sans Amp was the truth for five years, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that Sans Amp was like the gospel for all of us. <laughs> you know, either if you're using a pedal or the RBI, you know, most dudes uh, started using the RBI because it was rack mountable. But using that blend feature to keep that kind of clean low end but also have like, you know, your top end distorted was like one thing I always kind of took away from him. And then before, you know, the invention of production model, multi-band distortions, like when I was doing Scar the Martyr and Vimic, I was using a B7K. I also talked about this on the podcast with Trey, but who cares? We're going to revisit again. I was using a B7K as my... Hey, Lauren. (laughs) <laughs> sorry lauren lauren gets all the shout outs <laughs> i was using my b7k for my clean signal which was nice the blend was right at noon the drive was you know about one o'clock and you know my whatever frequencies but then i would use a b3k on top of that still utilizing the blend feature of those two pedals but with the distortion cranked all the way up and instead of in raw mode i was in grunt mode so it was kind okay. of, and then that's where I would get my distort, my fully distorted sound was, was putting those two pedals together and blending them just right to keep the fatness without having to boost that fucking low end on my amplifier at the time. We're just so lucky though, because we both have just had to like do this amount of gigs where um, Dark Glass is more a problem solver than a problem contributor. Yeah. So the thing that's awesome about it, so I feel the same way. So first time I was privy to Dark Glass, I was playing Euroblast with Felix. And we were right before fucking, God, what's that band? We're we're before like volumes, I think, or something like that. And so I was playing everything hardcore just like that. And we're going through like a Warwick double stack or whatever. I'm flying over. Guy before it's like, yo, plug into my pedal. It's a dark glass. And I go, like, ooh, what's a dark glass? He goes, like, it sounds sick. Um, and so I plugged it in and it just fucking works. So it was one of my first fly gay gigs over in Germany, and I did that. And it's like, but yeah, I know what you mean. Like, like it's so much more labor intensive before to do yeah. the things that we need to do. Well, I was I was I I I've said before, like everyone that I was on the boat, like they're asking me like, dude, what are you using with Devin Townsend? I'm just like, honestly, man, I'm not using a lot. I'm using a tuner into an X ultra with the cab sim on. And then that, that DI out goes to front of house and Stanley is the man. 
I was like, he makes everything sound fucking great. So that's literally all I was using. That was the the abiotic tour. We did. I did an X7 to front of house. Um, yeah. We luckily again, my friend Tyler Fritzel was uh, the engineer for the Arch Echo tour. But like same thing. Like you got a good overdrive for bass. There's a clean tone you, on there if you need it. But you have good hands. If you have good hands, you're playing the parts right. That's what matters. Yeah. And then of course, but a, a yes, I will agree with you 100. percent Front of house engineer. Yeah. Dude, chef's kiss like <laughs> nothing can replace that aspect of it <laughs> no matter how good you are i mean which is why you know we've you know we've made strides to keep our front of house guy around you know we've we because he is such an integral part of the live show and he's except for one europe tour he's been there since our first show as a you know quote-unquote professional band on our first tour ever so the way that Robbie Brown knows how to mix us and sound fucking heady out front is just, that's just what we need. And we want to make sure that, you know, we can keep them around as much as possible. You can't uh, replace it. No, you really can't. But the one thing I've been talking about and really, really trying to get my hand, waiting to get my hands on is that, is that quad cortex. Because the one problem I have, I've been having because I use three different pedals live and I'm, you know, using, um, the X X7, and uh, I am using a Tech 21 pedal for my clean tone, but also a B7K for my dirty tone. So most of my pedals are are, are dark glass. Um, but when you're traveling as much as we do, your volumes, and then oh, I'm sorry, and then that goes into a dark glass head, deep post DI out with the cab sim on. That's literally my entire rig. Super simple, super easy. But volume knobs on analog gear every night i was having to go back to my to my rig because my clean tone was too loud my dirty tone was too low my distortion tone changed a, a bit because the fucking constant battle yeah nah, it was just a constant I, I battle and i don't i don't want to i don't want to fucking battle anymore so i'm like i've been every gig every venue you're like yeah. oh god dude like come on i just want to plug and play yeah like let's be honest it's not that you're lazy it's just like you're on tour. Consistency. You're, that's you're all doing it. You just want it to be like, like well, maybe a little attenuation, but yeah. My well, the the guy the, the guitar players in my band like they're all on Kempers, and you know I, yeah. I fucked with the Kemper. I was like, oh, this is all right. I felt I felt like I would still need to add something to it, which I'm not trying to do. And I never really did the axe. I've never tried the axe eight for bass, but I was like, I don't want to do a footboard into a rack mounted unit. I just want a footboard where I can put the things that I absolutely need on the pedal board, but most of the shit is coming out from the effects processor itself. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't want to mess around. I don't want to have to worry like, oh, is my volume going to be louder today than it was yesterday? I just want consistency. No, that's, that's, and also because Dark, uh, sorry, Bad Wolves is doing much higher level touring than a lot of people. Like, if you're opening up for five finger you're opening up for breaking Benjamin like like it's not like you you're not playing to 30 people like there's a professional level of like expectation like you can't fuck up you know what I mean like also like when you have a crowd like that but also a consistency of like everything across the board your sound engineer wants the base di be consistent so like I totally feel you man like I think the dark glass guys just nailed it in terms of like this will not fuck up on you or your money back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and don't get me wrong. I really wish that I just had like one tone. But when you're going from playing, you know, I'm going to use this word and I hate using it, like genty style, super percussive songs into like radio songs. Like I can't just have the X7 full blast the whole time. Same. So going from, you know, from metal to rock to pop. Like, for me to get all the sounds that I want, I would literally need, like, three or four rigs. So it makes more sense to have something that's just like, okay, here it is. Here's, here's my Bad Wolves chain. Here's channel one. Okay, that's what that does. Channel two, channel three, four, so on. I can have eight different settings for whatever the fuck I want. I mean, there's one song I know for a fact that I would have two or three different 
patch changes. But I'm because I'm using a simple uh loop switch into a a Voodoo Labs hex that only goes one, two, three, four because it's only two button. I don't want to have to do all that even more tap dancing. I'd rather just go, ah, there we go. Ah, there we go. Ah, there we go. Like all like all the other boys in the band. You know? Oh, they well, just you're, go. You're, you're already working hard enough. Yeah. You, I don't want to tap dance. Oh, uh, dude, I'm the same man. Like, regardless of its abiotic scale, I want my gear to be a problem solver. Yeah. Not anything that involves more of my effort and mental health. Because, like, I mean, like, yeah, like, regardless of what stage of touring you're in, you want your gear to just turn Work. on and be consistent every night. Yeah. And like, if you're playing arenas or bars, you just want it to be like bass go on, bass play, pedals work, front of house engineer gives you okay, good. I do my job then. Then you do the manual labor of performing. But yeah. you don't want it to be that like mid set, you're like, oh, like this thing is no, like that's where companies wash out. Yeah, well, and that's exactly what I was doing. Like when we were out with uh with uh Five Finger Death Punch and Three Days Grace last November and December, um, I was every fucking night. I would have to like, like the first song was like my test run and I have to go run and go fucking find Tim Walker and be like, Tim, <laughs> turn my clean channel down. Oh yeah. Or Tim turn... was your, Tim was your bass uh, guitar tech, right? Yeah. 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 Fuck yeah. That guy's awesome, man. Yeah. I love him. And I'd, I'd be yelling at Tim. He, he, he opened up for me and Felix with Agamemnon twice. Oh really? Yeah. No, I, I've seen him with Agamemnon. Yeah. Dope. But yeah, yeah I'd have that, to go. That, guy, that kid's so talented, dude. He is. So He's super talented. super talented. But I have to go run and find him and be like, Tim, I need you to turn the, the clean channel down or I need you to turn this and this and this. And for a while, he was doing my switching, but I felt, I felt bad because then he was... Oh, he's doing a manual switching. Yeah he, was, yeah, he was doing manual switching. And then so we finally, he brought out um, the, the loop switcher and then I got like a little MIDI mouse from, from Tech 21. And then I was like, all right, I'll do the switching because it was taking away from everybody else. Like Tim's not just my tech. He's the guitar tech for. So he's dogs. He's dogs. And Chris's. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so shit. Yeah. You're like, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the first, you know, the first few times when he was doing my switching, you know, he did my switching perfectly. And, but I kind of felt bad. I was like, I'm not that lazy. Just give me a means to do it properly myself. So, but I figured. You know, I'm going to try, I'm going to see if Doc will let me borrow his like Kemper floorboard. I'm going to see if I know anybody around town that has a newer Axe Effects floorboard. I'm going to see if I can get my hands on the Helix. But I really want to, I'm kind of just waiting for the Quad Cortex just so I can literally have the, all these different ones. And if the Quad Cortex does what it's supposed to do, it's supposed to be the most powerful um, amp modeler on, on the market. And from the videos I've seen, which, you know, as, as a fellow bass player, I'm sure, you know, the lack of bass has been disturbing. So I uh, find your lack of bass. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you said that. Sorry, I had to make the joke. That's exactly what it was. Oh, yeah, <laughs> um, but they haven't really had, they had a one bass thing on one of their videos, but it wasn't like a setting that I would, I would use. And it was like a, it was, and it was an Ampeg. But it's like an Ampeg through a P-Bass. Like, I know what that sounds like. But I was like, I want to know how it sounds through the shit you already got in there. You're supposed to have something that's equivalent to a Mesa Boogie 400 Plus, you know, close to a 1970s Ampeg. You're, you have all these things built inside. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear if it sounds like a Mesa Boogie 400 Plus, because that's one of my favorite amps. But I would never fucking take two Mesa Boogie 400 Pluses out on the road. They're really road on a, fly, on a fly gig, dude. Like, can you imagine the nightmare? Unless you're in literally like system of a down. Like, can you imagine like and you showing... can just freight all your shit on a, on well, a flight? Yeah, if, I mean, and God bless because I know my friend was Chavo's personal sound engineer for a while. But Chavo has the money where like he could be like, hey, I send those amps to that country, and I'm gonna just take the flight. But imagine like me and you. Yeah, and I'm not saying I mean had ones bigger than my bands, but like still like we'd have to show up to the airport with that amps, and you're like with a crate with two Mesa 400s that weighs like it was like, well, sir, uh, <laughs> that thing weighs 202 pounds. So, do you have a credit card to put this like $500 number? <laughs> like, well, in the, 
but and, these and, are two amps. They're sick. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm just curious to see what that sounds like because like the whole thing of 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 the consistency is not just in America. It's when we go to Europe because we go to Europe a lot. You know, when we go to Australia and when we go to all these other countries, I want to be able to just like the only thing I need to order from John Henry's or whatever rental company is I just need to I just need an up and down transformer for my side of stage. That's literally it. Just so I can plug my American plug into this one and it works without blowing my shit up. That's the only thing I want to have to rent. And it's like and if we are doing, you know, if we decide we do want to do cabs because we're playing smaller clubs in Europe. Cool. I can get a little like those Seymour Duncan fucking power stage, you know, power amps that you know. Wait, Simon, wait, those those power amps are fucking sick. When um, yes, uh, Letch- Simon Letcher, Grove uses one. Dude, Letchard was one of the first people. So yeah, well, Simon sounds amazing. He's an amazing bass player. Um, but uh, STS Chris was one of the first people to get one of those. Dude, those things fucking kick ass, man. Those yeah. SD, they're really good power amps. Yeah, so I figured it's like if we do use cabs, I still have that option, unless I you know want to run it, run the quad cortex into the, into the uh, you know this the what is it the return, of the yeah yeah you can just use one of the fucking EBS or dark glass heads that I have and run it through a cabinet, or I can just have that power amp. You know, either way, I can still run it. It's still possible to run it through a cab, but I just want everything to sound the same and be cohesive anywhere in the world I go. And I don't want because I took that I took that dark glass rig mm-hmm. that I was using in November and in December, and I took that to fucking Europe. And my God, that was a pain in the ass because it's like. You know, you have I've, I've rack mounted the dark glass head with this like uh, compression rack that you kind of have to set up yourself, and you know I put it in there. But like, dude, my Furman got fucked up, the rack got fucked up, my pedals got all fucked up. Like I had to take a lot of my pedals apart and fucking spray it with this fucking thing. And I'll think you just play this thing. Yeah, I had to spray it with this fucking thing and then tighten everything up. And I'm like, all right, is it back to normal? All right, because I'm not gonna hit up Lauren just to be like my pedal doesn't sound the way it, it used to, and it's something I can fix. You know, I'm not gonna have fucking Dark Glass just send me sh- shit. The of if no, it, no, of course. I mean, it still works time, fine. Same time, it's like, yeah. Also, you're in the situation uh, professionally, problem solve situation. You're in a foreign country. Um, Bad Wolves is a company. You're the employee of the company. Yeah. I mean, I know you're Bamba, but just more like. You view it in the sense of like, fix problem now. Yeah. What do now? Fix problem solve. Yeah, I, I totally feel you, man. Like, like I was so lucky. Luckily, like when I flew to Mexico with Scale Summit, like all the uh, the dark glass gear just fucking worked like a bird. They were awesome though. Um, they rented me an eight ten Aguilar cab. Oh, nice. So it was like I placed my head into like a gooey nice one. I prefer. I love my dark glass cabs. It's mm-hmm. what I prefer. So I'm I'm like full tree dark glass. But yeah, dude, like I'm not going to turn down an Aguilar A10. Well, I mean, the, there's there's been times where... It was where, sick. It know, was fucking been, awesome. There's been times where I've been in South America with my old band, and at the time I wasn't running direct. You know, they were miking my cabinet at that time. Mm-hmm. So what was going on is that I had to have rental shit. So, and the... I remember the first show that we we went through that we played was in Santiago, Chile, the home of Douglas Castro. Um, Douglas. <laughs> and I had went through three Ampeg VR heads because I had told them like the only thing I could get all three of the shows that was cohesive was Ampeg. That was the same shit. So I was just like, all right, cool. Ampeg VR. That's all I need. And they all blew. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Not having to rent fucking amps and cabs that don't fucking work because I'm 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 not sure if you have, but I've rented gear that doesn't fucking work. And then you're just literally if the bus or trailer has to meet you in fucking well, Germany. Wait, 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 but like I have not had that situation. I've been very lucky that all my gear is not shit on me. So, but it's like you know if that if that were like say you rented shit in London because that's where the bus picked up. Your, yeah, the, yeah, 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 exactly. And then they meet you in Germany. You don't know if your shit works. You go to the first shit, the show, the shit doesn't work. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't no, want that to happen. It's, it's a real deal. Yeah, I don't want that to happen. So I just want to be able to contain 
my entire my entire rig and it's like if they want to use cabs cool whatever we can use the cabs right now playing arenas our cab our cabinets are lighting fixtures you know we're literally just all direct out of the the kempers and my pedal board currently so i just i don't want to have to you know depend on somebody else for consistency i'd rather just be like i know this shit works i did it myself i programmed this shit myself it works this is what i'm going to use and that's how i want it to be and i want to sound the same you know oh absolutely by the way moon pie says hi if she's here oh yeah i see i see your i see your rabbit <laughs> do you just let it like flop around the house or what oh yeah she's the best uh, no so um when we're home, so like if if I wasn't on a podcast, I'd let her around the living room. Oh, but I I see there's a little gate back here that's kind of. So the gate back is so like she has the whole living room. Oh. Yeah, so we watch TV with her, and it's really nice. But she has an enclosure for nighttime. Um, she matches her everything. <laughs> I see her blanket. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but what, everyone in all my bands were just big pet lovers. Like, all of my bands were just big, animal-friendly pet lovers. Well, you have the Corgi bass, too. Um, it's right here, actually. I was, <laughs> I'm was i going to record this Saturday with it. Oh, nice. Yeah. When did you join up with, with, with Kiesel? Because for some reason, I remember you. there was a time in, in your life where you weren't playing Kiesel, and I don't remember what you were playing. Yeah, so um, before it was a company that, unfortunately, the CEO of that oh, company... Oh, I remember now. Yeah, continue, yeah. continue, continue. I, I will to keep myself legally and all the things good. Um, they had a bunch of empty promises, and um, I had a signature with that company. And what happened was that when I joined Skill Summit, Chris was getting a signature guitar. And so when I joined, they treated me extremely well. And to be honest with you, they've been such a wonderful family to be a part of. And so when I got my first four builds, they go like, well, you get two bougie builds, you get two basic builds, which is fair. I mean, yeah. um, and I was going on tour with Angel Vivaldi and, and Letcher. And, oh, I love yeah. Angel. Yeah, yes, puta. Puta! Yeah, dude, he's my best. Uh, um, so this is my main base for Angel. Um, by the way, I'm a big fan of Sheldon Dingwall. I, I love him. But I am a wee man. I'm five and a half feet tall and I have little hands. I have Victor Wooden's hands. Um, so 36 scale is my best that I do. Mm -hmm. So this was my first bougie build. And it was supposed to match one of Letchard's builds, which is like a tiger stripe thing. Mm -hmm. But the way that it came out when Letchard got it, I saw it in the shop. It wasn't exactly what I wanted. So they left it this honey yellow, like hornet yellow color. Mm -hmm. and it was awesome and so this is my main bass when i played with angel so this is my pick style fuck you bass but then a friend of mine that used to work at nordstrand audio man by the name of john Contreras, he's not there anymore but he 3d printed me this pickup cover <laughs> the corgi that's hilarious yeah so it just happens to be it's yellow and black so it's like a corgi um but i don't know man i'm always a fan of never take yourself too seriously um even if you really do love your art and so i thought like i'm playing like speed metal really awesome stuff with angel and this bass has been one of my main tracking bases but why not add a little corgi yeah <laughs> you gotta have fun with things man well i remember i remember now when when all that stuff happened with the other company and like like i said we won't name names but i remember i remember the killian duarte signature and i was like oh that's dope yeah. you know good for him and then uh, a few months later, I saw that you jumped onto Kiesel, and then I, I think I actually messaged you. I'm like, yo, what happened? You, know, you, you told me some of the no, stuff no, that we, yeah, won't, yeah. We, won't, we, won't, we won't air out the dirty laundry on here. No, but, no, it's it's fine. Just essentially, like, um, um, I won't air out any dirty laundry. Just essentially, like, when you're doing a foreign import build with any company, you need to have the contracts up front. And some people will not do the things up front and not oh yeah i've been there i've been there so with kiesel what was nice is that and since then why i'm so loyal is that totally transparent they've given me bases past what our contract was set upon because they appreciate me I, again i un understand that i influence people to purchase the instruments so like yeah i am advertising for them 
but they've treated me majestically. Uh, they treated Chris and everyone in SDS wonderfully. All my band members, uh, John just joined the Kiesel train. Yeah, um, yeah, I saw that. Ben from Ladder Math, so, so our guitar player in Ladder Math is also in, uh, um, what's that Star Wars trivia band? I, I, I feel so embarrassed, I don't know. Um, Galactic Empire. Oh, okay. So it's like the big Star Wars metal trivia band. So he just joined, so he's on that. And they treat us all well, and the communications with all the artist relations are really chill. Yeah. So, but yeah, man. Um, it's been awesome and I've known I've known Chris Johnson for a really long time since since his days at Ampeg and Mackey which was he went from he went from uh Ampeg to EMG to Dunlop to Kiesel Yeah dude he's been he's been a sweetheart I I only met him after I joined all these bands but um he's been so supportive. So like I have met him personally, like for 30 seconds once. Yeah. He's, he's um, a busy, so, he's a busy guy in him. Oh no, no. I, I just mean that like professionally and even endorsement settings, yeah. I'd only, I'd never dealt with. I met him once personally, but the way that he treats all my friends and band yeah. members, uh, the guy seems like an Ubermensch. Like he just seems like a nicest guy ever. Yeah. So they're all like, like John got like, his new guitar is based on our splatter finish and our artwork. Yeah, I saw like, that. That's all. That's super all dope. Yeah, oh man. Super, super, super dope. So, when are you going into the studio with Ladder Math, or did you already do that? We already did, and it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. So, two years in the making. Uh, Sarah Longfield's mixing the record. Dope. And she's doing synth production on it. Um just wonderful like my singer in that band and i'm in another band with him if this sounds arrogant just he's my favorite vocalist i've ever i wouldn't say that's arrogant you're just praising somebody who you appreciate yeah i just he's my favorite vocalist ever so it's very beautiful to be in a situation such a privileged situation where i'm doing a rock record or a prog record with my favorite vocalist ever yeah. but it's also awesome because they're involved in another project i can't talk about and then we're in a duran duran tribute band mm -hmm. so i get to enjoy them in every spectrum so yeah. i get to do a prog record with this dude where he's amazing we get to play pop music together on a regular basis and it's just kind of one of these things where like I'm very grateful like covid sucks and it's robbed so much of us but there are little moments in life where you find these little pockets of happiness with great musicians and it makes things kind of you understand why you do it you know yeah and but for the ladder math record everything's done um i can say two guests we have lee mintz and joseph stall uh, joseph reynolds um on guest vocals so we have Anyone's a friend of Joseph, um, his vocals has got a very deep bass voice. So yeah. he does these like intense deep bass vocals and Lee Mintz from Grey Lotus. Check out Grey Lotus, they're amazing. Um, we toured with them, with Joseph, does this beautiful, very dark section, one of our sections. So I don't know, it, it sounds like a record that took years to make and it's just, bow on top perfect I, i'm very happy with it and nice. just knowing that sarah is going to be doing the final productions with synthesizer and production and mixing um very happy i had the other vanquish which i did most of the work and the five string and just it's all songwriting man like that's oh, the one yeah. thing th th i mean the bass lines are really great mm -hmm. but uh after this podcast is over i'll send you our first single oh hell yeah and um it's all songwriting man it's hell just yeah. all like real sincere emotion nothing fluff and uh i'm extremely happy and all my band members are extremely happy with the final product hell yeah dude so where can my listeners find you and all of your amazing projects on the internet oh thanks man um so um 
my main thing is my Instagram, Killian Duarte Base. Um, ladder Math, Abotic. Please check out the Abotic stuff. Like, I, I promise that record's going to be ridiculous with the rest of the guests. We have so many more singles and music videos that we're dropping. Um, then my messes that we're doing as well as like a bunch of other things in skill summit is releasing stuff within the next two months, hopefully fingers crossed as long as so for people on the podcast, they're wondering what's what's going on with skill summit. Um, nothing's wrong with skill summit. Me and Chris and Charlie are best friends. Um, there is a production element specifically because of COVID that has not enabled us to fulfill a certain aspect of a pre-order thing where we would independently lose a lot of money. Yeah. Okay. I'll say it. It's the vinyl company that's making our shit. Yeah. It's not their fault just because the way they do the splatters, that specific company cannot fulfill the obligations. If we were to do the announce the thing, get all the pre-orders and all of a sudden you're like, where's my album bundle? And they're holding it back. Yeah. We, we can't risk us getting the refunds because the album company can't do it. But Scale Summit, Mimesis, Ladder Math, Abotic, um, on Facebook, on Instagram, and myself, Killing Duarte Base, Instagram. Fuck yeah, dude. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and your busy bass life to come and join me on my podcast. I really do appreciate it. And for all my listeners, thanks for Perfect tuning car. in. <laughs> <laughs> and for all my listeners, thanks for tuning in, and I will see you next week. <laughs>